Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Oh my good God. Oh my good God. I feel like death. I think I've been rolled over by a steamroller. Welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm Fergus. I'm your horse host. I'm joined by uh, my sidekick, Trevor. Uh, and my sidekick for most of yesterday and late into the night, Capo Dan, and fresh as a daisy, all the way from Copenhagen, we got Danish Gunnar, Alex. God, guys, honestly, <laughs> I feel like I've been battered. Look, look, bruises on my arm. I've got a cut on my head. I've got a bruise here. It was like going to war, Trev. I've only been, Fergus, I've only been home 15 minutes. I've still got the Stone Island on. Look, I've, <laughs> I've been home 15 minutes. I'm absolutely knackered, but I had one of the best days at football I've, I've had in a long time. It's, <sighs> it was a pleasure to be in the company I was in yesterday. It was a pleasure to see the Arsenal team play the way they did for a lot of the game. And at the end of the day, we're top of the league, folk. We're still top of the league, son. And it's in our own hands still. It is. It is. Um, Dan, are you all right? No, I feel I feel like I need to go and lie in a corner and just stay there for 24 hours. But, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I did say to you, uh, Trev, you need to be gentle with Fergus next time. I know all them bruises and things he's got from you two together. But, you know, put him down next time. Don't put Donna. Wait, wait. I, I forgot to say. Donna's watching, so I just had the two, yeah? <laughs> two pints, yeah. <laughs> two pint Trev. Yeah, two pint Trev. Alex, you're looking very fresh. None yeah. bruised, no scratches, none of them. I might be a bit more fresh, but I'm still mentally drained from that game yesterday. It was a crazy, oh, crazy game. It was, it was. Look, we've got a total Liverpool and we'll probably touch slightly on, on the upcoming West Ham game. But it's all about the title challenge. Uh, we're in it for... Um, we're in eight more games and, you know, as Treb said and as you said on the bottom here, Alex has done all the work on this one and Dan's put a bit, a bit of work in. I've done very little. I've grabbed some pictures together. I've just driven a car all day. Um, but, yeah, uh, it is in our hands. We started off um, in a place called The Church, Trev, uh, and this uh, bunch of gooners in a very, very partisan. Um, it was awesome. Easter. Fergie, it was Easter. <laughs> You got to go to church on Easter Sunday, didn't you? Come on, we did, we did, we did. Take the whole you... water right on. <laughs> <laughs> you thought we were wronging in there, didn't you? You what, mate? You thought we had done a wrong and got into that. It got into that pub, didn't you? Yeah, I wasn't sure about it first off, but in fairness, it, it was a decent pint of beer. It was a sociable atmosphere, and it was very near the ground, wasn't it? So, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, yeah, we were in the middle of, um, we're like what, four or five minutes walk from Anfield, but it was very much um, a Liverpool crowd uh, in there, Dan. Um, we're standing at the bar, Trevor's disappeared somewhere, and uh, they start banging the tables and singing a load of um, Liverpool songs. We both looked at each other and thought, put your flag away. <laughs> yeah, it's really annoying because I wanted to sing our versions of their songs, but I don't think they would appreciate it. But uh, as you said, uh, I had to go to church on a Sunday and... Uh, Drink to our patron saint, Gabby Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we did. Jesus, did we Did we drink to him? Um, yeah, I don't know how we saw the game. I don't know how we saw the game. Alex, what you won't know is when we left this uh, place, this uh, four or five minute walk, and one of the guys in the group 
um, started singing songs at the top of his voice. I'm at the front of the um, of, of like the peloton of, of of Arsenal fans walking down the streets to Anfield, and it is just Liverpool everywhere. They're outside a petrol station, drinking strong lager, and we're singing, "We won the league at Anfield." Uh, it didn't go so well. I can imagine. <laughs> I was yeah. I was walking with another lad about ten yards behind them, and uh, I said to him, "I said, Dave, this lot are going to get themselves in trouble in a minute." And fair, they did. They they got. There was a slight confrontation, nothing more than that. Any any handbags um, this time? No, no handbags. No, I, I, Dan Dan wasn't involved. It was just words. I said, to Dave, <laughs> "You do." I said, to "Dave, if if these boys get fed up with them singing." We're outnumbered by about five hundred to one. You know what can we do? <laughs> and we got lucky. But uh... we are the Arsenal. We are the best. We are the Arsenal. I'll let you finish the rest of it. <laughs> like yeah. Last time we went to Anfield uh, and won was twenty twelve. We went there. We all Dan asked us the question at the end of the last podcast: Were we going up there excited or were we nervous? And all of us all said we were excited about the fixture. I still am overall pleased. With the outcome, uh, I know we've got mixed opinions among us about it. You know, um, the last time we were up there, one Podolski and and Cazola were uh, Sandy Cazola were playing for us. Um, we won two 0 on that one. And you know, Liverpool have been hot and cold this season, Alex. Uh, from you know get, getting beaten badly four one by Man City to smashing an average United seven nil. What was your thoughts going into into the game? Yeah, as you said, they've been hot and cold this season, but mostly when they've played at Anfield, they've they've been hot, so they've been really good at home. So, yeah, I knew it was going to be a difficult match and we, we really had to like play our best football and, and play football the way we want to play football because we knew if we if we uh, had their crowd going and 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 if they play football the way they, they do at the best on the club, then it, it will be a difficult game. Um, yeah. Trev, what were your thoughts going into the game then? I was I went into the game very hopeful. Very hopeful indeed, Fergus. And after the first half an hour, I was even more hopeful. But I did have in the back of my head that Liverpool have been very good at home this season. I did have in the back of my head that they thrashed a certain other top four side 7-0 a couple of weeks ago. So I thought we we're going to have to be really, really good. Um, and we were. I really... I, I couldn't see us losing the game. Honestly, couldn't see us losing the game. Well, until about the last 10 minutes, to be honest. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, I went full of hope, Fergus. Full of hope. Not yet. Not yet expectation, right? I think we, we, we're we not far off of going to games like that with an expectation to get something out of the game. We, we, we're that close. At the moment, I'm not quite at the expectation stage. But I've... I've I've a massive amount of hope when I go. I've I've got no doubts that we're gonna put on a show, and if we don't come away with the win, then it, we're gonna put on a show, you know. And yeah, I'm I'm in a good place with it, mate. I really am. Dan, um, it was the twenty fifth. Uh, it was it was a commemoration day for the the ninety seven that were um, who died as a result of the Hillsborough disaster, and. Um, uh, Arsenal in the classy way uh, obviously paid respects and dropped off flowers the day before uh, to the uh, outside the memorial outside the ground uh, there was a lot of um, 
there was a lot of uh, banners and stuff going around the, the the stadium to signify the um, the ninety seven. So that was probably going to have a, a an effect. We were worried it could have a positive effect for the Liverpool support, but they weren't that noisy, were they? I don't think they really are that noisy. We've touched on it a few times that they sing their song at the beginning, they sing their song at the end, and then in between, they're not that different to any other any other place. I'm of the opinion, I think we, we talk it up a bit too much. And I think Arteta's probably at risk of that as well. And, um, you know, he always says about Anfield's the toughest place to go. And and they always talk about the atmosphere. And, and they build it up. And actually, I, I feel like we're we're doing our own selves a bit of a disservice by, by bigging it up so much. Because um, I'd near enough say to you, Trev, that I do have an expectation now that we're going to go to these sort of places and win. And I'd probably say there isn't many places I'd, I wouldn't expect us to go and win at the minute. I think City might be one of them. Um, there might be one or two, but yeah, I, I don't see why we can't expect to go here and win. Mm. Look, it was it was a key um, thing that you mentioned, Dan, as well, was getting uh, the the Anfield uh, fan base quiet, the, the crowd quiet, and the, the Martinelli and the Trent duel, which we'll talk about it. Um, but just to, to add fuel to uh, what Trev said um, after the uh, was it the League Cup one um, listen to this Trev, you said the PA system was loud. You said that we'd like to sing them. We did it. Take yourself off mute, Trev. Every episode. Every well, episode. You've done it again, done it again Fergus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, boys. I've only been home 15 minutes. And I had a big two pints yesterday. Um, I, it was, we did, the, the away support yesterday, I thought was fantastic. It really is fantastic because you only get that corner. I mean, last year when we outsung, we had the whole end in the cup game, you know, which is 6,000 or so. We had 3,000 fans yesterday there and the atmosphere they created was, was very, I thought was very special away and away support. And I've, I've been in, in conversations with a few Liverpool fans today and um, they thanked us for the way we paid our tribute to their supporters that sadly died. And then they thanked us. They they complimented us on on the kind of su- support we gave our team, our away support. They said we were loud and proud. And just before we move off of that, Fergus, it's you, you get some. Got be, I'm not being careful what I say here because people understand. You get some different opinions on what happened at Hillsborough that day, right? But the one fact we cannot deny is that 97 people went to that game and didn't come home, right, regardless of anything else. And nobody yep. deserves that to happen to them. And I, for one, was over the moon with the Arsenal fans yesterday, over the moon with the way they reacted to that minute's silence. And uh, I'm proud of every one of them. Proud of every one of them, I, mate. I, I think, to be honest, we can put ourselves in their shoes. Any one of us gone to that game, you know, what happens if we didn't get home to see our, our missus or our dogs or, you know, whatever... Um, 
the, the, you know, the next day. So I think that's where the the empathy definitely is. Um, lineups, um, Alex. Let's look at the lineup. So nothing really, um, nothing really unusual with the lineup. The, the talk that we had before was whether Trossard stars are, starts are whether Jesus starts. What, what did you make of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I had a tiny glimpse of hope that maybe Saliba was just going to make it back, back fit, but of course he he didn't. But yeah, otherwise, I think the main uh, question was if he if he was going to start Trossard. Um, but I think he did the right thing, and especially looking back at the game, we needed Martinelli and we needed his pace going up against Trent. So um, yeah, I think it was the the right decision to leave Trossard on the bench uh, for this game, even though he's been. Been absolutely brilliant the last seven games. Yeah, it sounds like he listened to you, Dan, didn't he? He started Martinelli, and Martinelli started really strong. Caused all that bother that you said he would cause. Yeah, for me, the the lineups nailed on um, week in week out. You know, there will be some rotation at times, but I think if you want to play your strongest eleven that's currently available from you know, apart from Saliba, I think that's it. Um, Martinelli is just an absolute menace one-on-one Saka's names stitched onto the team sheet week in week out and just again since Jesus has got back from injury the the level he brings us to when he's playing you know we said when he when he first joined that he took his upper peg and he's done it now again when he's come back and not only has he done that he's added a couple of goals to it as well so if that continues then that lineup's not changing Mm. Yeah. Uh, eight, eight minutes in, Trev. Um, it was it was a, a misplaced um, pass by Odegaard to Saka, um, and it took a deflection off uh, Van Dijk, and then um, Martinelli scores a fantastic goal, and then I get battered and bruised, and there's pictures of you uh, celebrating on Sky. I'm sure you pay the cameraman. I'm sure you pay the cameraman. <laughs> I, I don't know what happens. I keep getting my ugly head on that television. But I'm not complaining, Fergus. I enjoy every second. Interesting. I, I have to bow to Dan a little bit in that. I thought that he might have started Trossard and, and left Jesus for later in the game. Being Easter Sunday, Jesus would have had other things to do. But um, he didn't. And Jesus has proved me wrong because the one thing that I thought Jesus wasn't doing... The only thing he wasn't doing, he was doing all the work, all the graft, couldn't fault him, is he wasn't sticking the ball in the net regular enough. But as Dan just rightly said, he scored two in two games now, and that is what we want. You you know, I, I, I back down now and I say, yeah, you've got to play Jesus ahead of Trossard. You've got to put him in if he's going to score goals and work like that. Fantastic. The Martinelli goal, mate, it was a great finish. And he showed his strength a bit, didn't he? Because... It, you know, he had to really hold the defenders off and get his toe on it at the right time to put it past the keeper. I thought that uh, I thought it was a tremendous goal, a great finish. It was an intelligent run as well, to be honest with you. If you see where the way he made the run, Trent was playing near enough in like a Zinchenko-type role for Liverpool in that first half, and he was coming in centrally. And Martinelli near enough followed him in. Jesus had space out on the left of the opening sort of 10-15 minutes. Mark Lee was making those runs off of Trent all day long. Um, literally, it's near enough like he followed him around the pitch just because he knew he could beat him. Uh, we go on to on the 12th minute, the 17th minute, the 20th minute. We have more and more opportunities and the pressure. We really put the pressure on them, uh, Alex. Um, what what were you making of that? You know, we'd taken the lead and, and we were just pushing and pushing and pushing to get that second goal. Yeah, I think we, we took 
took uh, took the control after after the one nil goal, but still Liverpool started to crawl their way back into the game a little bit. Um, they had like a massive chance in the twentieth minute where uh, Robertson was completely free through on goal uh, and just uh, just missed missed the shot. So um, we we it seemed like we had control of the game, but then still Liverpool had had their chances as well. Um, and I think up up until uh, when we scored the second goal, I think they were getting more into the game. Liverpool, um, mm. Ben White had a yellow card as well, um, and yeah, but then then we completely uh, killed the game when we scored the second goal, which we'll get to get to now, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, well if you do talk about killing the game on the second goal, we scored two goals. We're two 0 up at Anfield. You think? Yeah. Job done, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and like, like we, we, I know, I know. Trev's just said ooh, but I mean, we completely silenced the crowd, and they just looked very like they didn't want to play Liverpool uh, after we scored that two 0 goal. Because um, just as as they were getting back into the game, we scored we scored a two 0 goal, um, and they looked very frustrated after the second goal, and Van Dijk completely smashed Jesus after the second goal. We got a yellow card, so. They really looked frustrated after after that second goal, and it kind of looked like it was there for the taking. And it comes again down from uh, Martinelli uh, running behind Trent. Yeah, yeah. again Martinelli yeah. was in trouble. You just, go, Dan. So yeah, Trent, Trent just he hates playing against him. He um he he isn't the best defensively, Trent, and we know that. But when you push him back like that, he he can't deal with it. He's all over the place, and then it it really was quite a simple ball over the top. And then a brilliant crossing from from Martinelli, but great to see Jesus get a heady goal as well because we're going to need him to score a few different type of goals. And at the minute, you know, he's come back, he's got a poacher's goal, he scored a penalty, he scored a header. Um, it's good to see a bit of variety to him as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, then, then um, sorry, you got to say something, Trev? I'm getting some feedback or something like that. No, I'm not at all. I just. Um... I agree with everything they said. It's just in, I've seen some some Liverpool comments on social media today saying that they don't like the way Trent played yesterday. They didn't like the way he tried to move himself into midfield at every opportunity. It just it shows it's a funny old game, doesn't it? Because that's exactly what we've been praising Zinchenko for all season. And I think Trent, as you rightly said just now, is trying to copy a bit of, of the movements Zinchenko gets and it didn't work for him yesterday. But then again, I'm not sure it worked for us yesterday either, to be honest. No, uh, you said before we went live um, about Zinchenko. You feel that um, coming up into we're well, coming up to the fortieth minute. I'm, I I didn't see this goal because I was out buying beers. But um, the um, uh, Zinchenko was you, you feel was slightly at fault. Do you, Trev? I'll hold my hands up and say I've not actually seen it, but someone has spoken to me and said that Zinchenko was out of position for their first goal. So I'm taking someone at their word. And if if this is wrong, then it's wrong and I apologise. But I've I've been told that um, Zinchenko wasn't there to cover the back post because he'd been been wandering in his normal role into midfield. And uh, if that's the case, it, it does make you start thinking in certain games, in certain games... And this is debatable, I know. But in certain games, when we come up against the Liverpools at Anfield, where we know that they have like 12 players when the crowd gets going, is there a case for playing a more defensive left-back? 
and if we want to play Zinchenko, let him play further up the field and move someone else out. I don't know. But um, it's an interesting thought. It's got my mind wandering a bit because, as we rightly said, we were 2-0 up. If we go, if we go in at 2-0 at half-time yesterday, we win the game, right? We win the game. I've no doubt about that. We'd beaten the crowd. We were beating the football team. Everything was in our favour. We were playing so well. We were playing prime Arsenal football. And then we give away that goal just before half-time and it changes. And and I know we're going to have a debate about Xhaka and, um, and what happened just before in a minute. So I'll leave it at that, Fergus. But uh, we were that close to going in 2-0 at half-time. And that's it just made me think, is there games where we could play a more defensive left-back? I don't know, but it's in my head. It's going around my head a bit. There's a point to it about potentially playing playing Kearney, um, Kearney, Tierney in um I know him games. Yeah. About playing Tierney in those in bigger games because of his sort of defensive stature. But that isn't, I don't think, an issue with Zinchenko. I think that's an issue with the system we play. And if you're gonna play that system, there's so many positives to it there's obviously a weakness to it as well. And that's one in that in transition very, very quickly, he is going to be out of position defensively because he'll be in the centre of the pitch. So where they do win the ball high up the pitch, he's not ever going to be in that position. And I think wherever he plays, wherever Tierney plays, you know, if they are moving in centrally, that won't change. Mm, yeah, I, I think you're probably right that that area is always going to be exposed, and that's where it is. The, the centre halves are, are almost like a three at the back that they need to, to pick up the, the, the slack for him. Um, a lot of talk about uh, Granite Shaka. It's almost like we prepared this thing, isn't it? Um, there was a lot of talk about Granite Shaka um, and saying that this incident's, incident here is what uh, made the Anfield noise build up and subsequently led to the goal. Dan, you have a differing a differing view on this. What happened with the incident, first of all? Um, what did you make of it? And then the, the, the talk about that that brought um, the Anfield noise back. Well, uh, I can say that it made such a difference to their crowd. I didn't even know it had happened until I uh, read about it and then rewatched it on the telly. So <laughs> their, their crowd, for me, had no change. The thing that changed the crowd was them scoring a goal. You know, goals change games at the end of the day. And it, for me, it was nothing to do with Xhaka. Um, it's just another classic example of picking him up as a scapegoat, isn't it, really? People want something to to, to dig him out for. And, um, yeah, I've heard a few people say, but I oh, didn't have the best performance, this, that, and whatever. Got no issues with what he did. I think someone, I think, I can't remember who it was, someone nudged him or he nudged him. He should have had a free kick. Yeah, they, they pushed him and then they squared up. I mean, it happens. I'd rather see players showing a bit of passion and fight, you know, so... For me, I've got no issues with what he does. I think just don't get on his back. Yeah, for me, it made absolutely no difference to the, the performance result at all. Alex, Alex, what did you make of it? Yeah, like, first of all, I think he should have had a free kick on the on the sideline. And then he got a bit frustrated and gave Trent a bit a bit of a nudge after he passed the ball. And then Trent went crazy and shoved him in the back and squared up to him. Um, so I don't think it was too much... I don't think he's too much uh, at fault for, like, the incident or whatever happened. But... I agree with Dan. Like, I don't think really it got the crowd going because it was the goal that got the crowd going because um, they scored straight away after. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a case of people trying to make Shaka like the scapegoat of, of what happened. Um, uh, yeah. 
Trev, we, we, we were there. And to be honest, I, I, the only noise I heard from Anfield was a roar coming when they scored the goal uh, in uh, when I was at the bar. But that that was it. I, I didn't I didn't hear any, any major commotion over it. Did you? Ferg, this bit I have watched back because I had I had my doubts, right? And I've watched it back. And I, I can categorically state right now, right, that Dan and, and Alex are exactly right. What happened with Granite Xhaka and Trent Alexander-Arnold? Right, those two players really, right, Alexander-Arnold and Xhaka should actually be praised. Right? And I'll tell you why. Because one's gone in for a tackle on the other. One's reacted a bit. They've got in each other's faces and got really close. But they've not done what not, what any most other bloody Premier League players do nowadays. They've not fell on the floor making out their dying and trying to get each other sent off. They've stood up like men. They've faced it off, right? And that's it. And and we move on. And after that happened, right, the crowd are still quiet. They're still 2-0 down. The Liverpool fans are still worried, right? Because we are the better side. Now, what happens, however long later, 30 seconds a minute later, is they go in at the back post and they score a scrappy goal and that lifts the crowd. And it, we all know football, right? We're all football fans. We all know football. Just before half-time, Liverpool scoring a goal in a cauldron of a ground like that when they get going. They don't get going very often, but when they do, credit where it's due, they came out for the second half still celebrating that goal. The forefront of their minds wasn't, oh, we had a bad first half. We should have been losing 2-0. None of that was in their heads. All they had in their heads was, we've just scored a goal now. We're right back in it. And they were loud. And they were loud, loud, loud. And they lifted that team. And that Liverpool team took it up another two levels, mate. You know what I mean? So it wasn't anything to do with Xhaka. Nothing in my mind. Nothing to do with Xhaka. They scored a goal. And that was it. And as as you rightly said, if we'd gone in at halftime 2-0 up, I do think we'd be talking about a different outcome and probably coming back from Anfield with, with three points. Uh, there was a lot of talk on the radio on the way back down about half-time and leading up to half-time uh, because there was an incident between um, the Lino and um, uh, baby. Roberts. Baby. Robertson's a baby. <laughs> Should be ashamed of himself. Should let his mum change his nappy and get him a new dummy. Like, in pretending to do that, it's not like he's like they do in the Premier League nowadays, trying to get a, a player sent off, Right. He's doing it to a linesman who's he's gone up to, got on his face, and the linesman's just said, move away, move away, you know? And that's it. And Robertson's complaining, trying to lose a man his job because he stood up to him. Robertson, you, you'll never watch this. I know, but you should be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed of yourself. Roy Keane said it right, and he said it four times. Baby. He's a baby. Change his nappy. Right, I'm done. <laughs> Alex, did you see it any differently? <laughs> I might have a slightly different view to what Trev said. <laughs> I, I mean, it was getting quite quite heated at, towards the end of the first half, and and then of course they went up to the linesman and the ref to like ask questions or whatever. And at that point, I think like the the linesman should like look to de-escalate the situation. But I don't know what his elbow was doing up in his face, uh, Robertson. I think I think what he tried to do was push his arm away, but like his elbow went quite high. Um, so, yeah. Pictures don't tell the truth sometimes. That looks like his elbow's there, ready to whack him. But his he did hit him. And then he off, put the, the boats in his face. He, he did hit him on the chin, though. I, I, I couldn't be a linesman, me. 
I'd last about no, ten. Minutes. I could, I couldn't either. But but I still think like you you don't want to see those things from like the the referees and stuff. And I think it will be suspended. Or I think we should see more of it. I think we should see more of it. You want to get in the referee's face? Where? Mate, I, I would have been fuming if it was an Arsenal player, though. I, I can understand why Liverpool fans are frustrated. I'd have given you a man on a match if it was an Arsenal player. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd say I'd say his arm was in an unnatural position. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't ask VAR, Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> so we come out the second half um, and uh, 52 minutes in, Rob Holding, uh, we're defending, a, I think it's a set piece, and Rob Holding yeah. makes what's what's called a clumsy tackle. Now, I have seen this back because I've watched the highlights, and I think it's really, really, really soft penalty. Um, I can see it not given. Dan, you've watched the game back. What, what's your thoughts on the penalty? First thoughts were soft, but watching it back, I don't think it's soft. I think it's... It's, it's going to be given as a penalty all day long. It's, it's, it's not a bad tackle. It's just, as you said, really, really clumsy. It's a, it's a typical Rob Holding challenge because he is always so eager to get to the ball and to win and to win the ball. And before Trev moans at me, shut up, Trev. <laughs> he, um, there's a positive coming. And what I actually said in my notes was it's a real big shame because I think Rob Holding had a fantastic performance. Um, and all of the worries that I mentioned about him before the game, he, he shut them up. But that's the sort of mistake that worries me because he is a little bit clumsy. Um, it can happen to anyone, right? Anyone can do it. It just happens to him a bit more often than than the others. Um, but yeah, he didn't go in. But we, we got away with one, I'd say, by, by them not scoring that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, 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 clearly we'll we'll talk about that as well. But uh, uh, Trevor, what did you make of of the penalty? Did I, again, as I said, I thought it was very very soft. I thought uh, Yotta uh, or Jota or whatever his name is, um, you know, made, made a meal of it. It would oh, it, be a silent look, by the way, Dan. A silent J. Yotta. Look, mate. I said it on the last podcast. It was another typical modern day football penalty. He did it wasn't a tackle. He brushed him. Jota, Jota made himself bump into him. Holding had his leg out and he didn't trip over him. He touched him and down he went. And that's what happens. And they're given. I find it infuriating. And I find it infuriating when they're given 40 Arsenal as well, but not quite so infuriating for obvious reasons. <laughs> Right, but I do wish that there's no way we can cut it out, you know, because yeah, Dow's nailed it here. Dow's nailed it here. It was a clever penalty, and we see it all the time, don't we? It was a modern day football 2023 penalty. He got touched, he felt a touch, he's gone down, opening for the best, and he's got it, you know. I feel Dan's right, I feel for holding because he had a, a cracking game, and I feel for holding because it happened to him last season with that Hunmin Song bloke, just brushed him, didn't he? I don't think he even touched him, did he? And he went down, you know, so I feel for holding because he's going to get tarred with a brush he don't deserve to get tarred with. But Dan's exactly right, he had a cracking game holding apart from that. Yeah, Alex, I don't know if you could hear it, but we were singing Rob Holding's name an awful lot, Yotta. There we go, look. Yotta. <laughs> Dan, as you get, get up, get, concentrate on here rather than type it on YouTube. I've got, Alex. I've got to chat to the fans as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Um, uh, Alex, uh, Rob Holding, or Yolding, as we like to call him. Yolding. <laughs> Yolding. 
Hey, uh, could you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I could hear it a couple of times, and I completely agree. He had a, a cracking game, and especially the way the 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 game went. That's where he's he's like that's where he has his force. That's where he's he's the best um, defending crosses in the box and clear clearances. Um, where he has his uh, struggles is when we play high line because he hasn't got the same pace as Saliba. But the way the game went was perfect for upholding because he's he's one of the best at what he does, clearing the ball in the box and just defending. Um, but I agree with it was a clever penalty. I don't think he was aware of Jota, Jota um, coming in for the ball. So Jota, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was a penalty. Um, at first, when I saw it, I didn't think I thought he dived because I didn't see the contact um, on the leg. But he did. He did really like sort of kick him in the in the back of the leg. So I think it was fair enough. But um, Ramsdale with the mind games uh, completely threw Salah off, and luckily he. He uh, he put it wide, but I think it was it was a sign of uh, things to come, and it was a warning sign for us. I thought we really have to step it up now after the missed penalty. Well, here's a question: yeah. If he scores that penalty, do you think we lose that game? Yeah, I think so. I think so. The momentum, I think, the momentum, and and if you look at the second half, like the, some of the stats that we had, we had like four shots in the second half in comparison to thirteen uh, in the first half possession figures they got more possession of the ball and uh, you could you could feel the nerves it well we knew what the nerves were like we're in the away end and yeah. with 15 20 minutes to go I kept on just looking at the clock uh you know it was do you, what do you think asking me no well, I was, he asked the question so that's why I was going to ask him his answer but he doesn't know how to communicate properly does he I was going to let. I, I like to let others have a go, Fergie, but never mind. Um, yeah. I, I think if if they score that penalty, the game changes, but also it forces us to come out, and it could have quite easily have gone. Then they go on to win, but also could have quite easily meant that we're going to win, which is why I asked that question. But um, we we gradually got deeper and deeper in that half, and I think for. You know, up until the 80th minute, we were comfortable. But then there were some, you know, the subs from Firmino and, and a couple of subs that we had changed the game for us. Because I actually felt that even though we were deep and we were really hanging on, we we were still quite comfortable. I felt like we defended very, very well. Um, and in terms of clear-cut chances, they came for them in the last 10 minutes. And I know people are going to criticise Arteta for his subs. I think the Tierney one should have come earlier, but I don't think you can criticise him for the for the Kivior one because he's done it a few times where he's gone to five at the back and it's worked. So, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing to say, oh, it didn't work out, but it's worked for us so often that I can understand why he did it. Um, Kivior, maybe, was he ready to play at Anfield? That, that could have been a mistake. Is there anyone else that could have could have come on or, you know... Not there, there, there isn't really, there isn't another defender that he could have brought on. That's the thing. Uh, Trev, they, they, they got far more physical in that last half hour of the game. And, and you know, once once they'd missed their penalty, there was some harsh tackles in on uh, on Saka uh, and, and a few other uh, ones like that. I, I, I just want to, Fergus, you're, yeah, I just want to put this comment up for, for, from Spencer. Welcome, Spencer. I'm glad you found us, mate. Glad you found us. I hope you're enjoying what we do. Um, the first part of your statement there, um, Spencer, is that 
I personally never lose sleep over what Mikel Arteta does, mate, because he's got us from being a somewhat mid-table side to being top of the league in a matter of no time. So what, what Arteta does will do for me. But the second point, he, he has got a bit of a point here, Spencer, boys. It'll be interesting to get your views. Sorry for taking over again, Ferg, but he took, he took Odegaard off and put Kivior on, right? Which you, you see he's thinking, I need to, to, to shore the defence up here because we're coming under more and more pressure. But for me, if I'm, I'm not arguing against what Arteta does here. I'm, I'm just looking at it from a different angle. If you take a midfielder off and put another defender on, we saw it a lot under, under Wenger. What you do is you lose your outlet for when you're under pressure. So if you do win the ball at the back, one of your outlet players further up the field is gone. So, you, you know, so they haven't got to cover so many areas because you've got an extra defender back there. But when we win the ball, you've got one less to get it forward to. And that's the strongest part of our game, getting the ball forward to our front three or four and letting them do the work. So I was a bit stumped by it. But Spencer, it's a good point, mate. But at the end of the day, Arteta does what he does, mate. I don't know what the boys think. Alex. Think the reason he does that, though, don't forget, is I think he's expecting balls into the box, right? And he's, he's bringing on someone that can head the balls away. Um, just so happens they score from a header, um, and that's you know it obviously it obviously didn't work, but um, it was strange because he he went with the the three or the five at the end, but then he only had the two in front screening, whereas where it's worked before we've had the five and then the three screening, and exactly as you said, Trev, there's then the two that press up top, and it's normally the striker with Erdegaard or someone like that. But I was thinking at that point maybe maybe the sub was to take off. Either a Saka or a Martinelli at that point, rather than rather than Erdogan. Yeah, Dale has a good point in there. Was it was it too big of a, a game to introduce Kivior into? You know, uh, Kivior had only been in one other game, the Sporting game, and he came into a lot of criticism for his lack of commitment to head the ball away. Um, and uh, subsequently, did you, his, did you see his first action, Kivior? Yeah. Uh, no. He completely wiped out Firmino in his first action. That was quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was when the mistakes started to creep in a little bit, I think, in that last 10. And um, look, they are a young side and there's going to there's gonna be nerves in that team. And, and you know, we know from people we've spoken to that that team has been nervous in the running and they're learning on, on the job, as is Arteta learning on the job. And he's got a relatively smaller bank of of history and, and, you know, how he's managed games before to look to. So at the moment, he's looking to what has worked for him in the past. And he'll now probably, this is another experience from going forward, saying actually maybe this is the right thing to do all the time away at Anfield with that sort of group of players, you know. So I think it's I, a, a learning curve, I think. I, 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 I trust Arteta. I trust the process, trust trust the progress, as Sophie said to us uh, the other week on the phone-in. Um but I, I did, I've done it before against Man United earlier in the season. And I probably do a little bit today question the times, the timing of the substitutions. Like what you said earlier, I think bringing on Tierney uh, way too late in the game, Trossard even on too late in the game. I don't think Trossard, although when he came on, did have an impact. I don't think he had enough time to make enough impact on the game. Uh, uh, Alex, what, what, what did you make of his substitutions? Yeah, I think um, Dale said it in the comments. He he kind of like made us. We in, we invited the pressure onto us uh, with our substitutions, um, and I mean, 
Um, Liverpool, they really threw the kitchen sink at us as well. They, I think they changed. Um, Firmino came on for one of the midfielders. So they really threw everything at us. And I think looking when I watched it back today, looking at the last 15 minutes of the game, I think we were lucky not to like lose four or five two. They had some What's massive chances. That, young man. I knew you were going to say something, Trev. <laughs> and I knew, I know that we had chances as well, but they had some massive chances. And it, it, if it wasn't for Ramsdale, we could have easily lost that game because he pulled off some amazing saves. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, uh, just uh, just having a word with um, Gary in the chat. I'm, I, this is me shouting. I cannot speak any louder, Gary. <laughs> um, so, just, eighty-two just, minutes. Um, just a quick response back to. To Alex, it's an interesting point you make because I walked into the gym um, a few hours ago and the first thing that someone said to me was, Kai, you look unlucky. And I looked at him and I was like, lucky. And I, I hadn't watched the game back at that point. And I couldn't believe that they said we were lucky. And then watching it back, as you said, they had chances and, and bits at the end. But I wouldn't say that we got away with one or anything like that. Look, Liverpool could have easily won that game, but so could have we. Um yeah, it's interesting. We, I mean, we, we both had chances and especially like at the very end, but I think when you just look at it, they missed a penalty as well. When you look at the expected goals, it's four to one. Um, Nunes missed a, a chance when he was through on goal. Robertson in the first half as well. Salah missed a one and one. Um, I mean, Ramsdale clawed one off the line uh, from Kanate and uh, the curling effort from, from Salah, that one. They just had so many big chances and we didn't have too many chances, but we were clinical. Um, we, we had chances to make chances, if that makes sense. Like that's We had some half chances on the counter in the second half. Yeah, um, like our actions weren't quite smooth. I, didn't, I feel like we quite. didn't commit enough players uh, forward when we when we got the chance to, to counter in the second half. Um, Saka got through on the counter. Um, I can't remember when it was, but quite late in the game. And there was just no one for him to, to uh, pass the ball to. Um, so I feel like we didn't really commit to uh, enough players it, forward it, it, to close it, it, the game. Is that because of is that because of what Trevor said earlier with taking Odegaard off and not having that outlet? Is that why Saka didn't have anybody to go to? Yeah, I mean it was pretty much up to Saka, Saka Martinelli, and and um, then Trossard at the end. But it was really up to those three because it was only them three when we got the ball, um, and that's why we lost it so many times as well because. Um, we didn't really have any players forward. Uh, that's why they won the ball so easily um, in the second half when they could keep pressuring us, Liverpool. Um, but yeah, I think he has a point there, Trev. Yeah, no, I, I, listen, um, I, a player I thought who had a very good game, although we've mentioned him earlier as well and saying possibly uh, to blame for the first, but he got nutmegged for the second goal and the equaliser. Um, talk to us about about this, um, this Firmino goal then, Dan, since you watched it back. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing because I think Arteta had already spotted that that was where that they, you know, if they were going to be dangerous, that, that was the area. And um, Tierney was just about to come on. As we said earlier, I think it could have been a little bit earlier than what it was. Um, look, there's, if there's one guy you can't criticise, I think it's Inchenko. His, his passion is what we all love as fans. He's, he's a fan on the pitch, wearing the shirt, you know, living the dream for all of us. And um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticise him. He's been fantastic. Similar to, you look at Trent, as we said, for Liverpool, the amount of people that sort of wax lyrical about Trent a couple of years ago and how good he was going forward. But they know his defensive area is his frailty and it's going to be this, 
the same for us with Zinchenko at times. But it's disappointing to to see the goal to a clip ball into the box. And it's just one of those where the you know the players running in momentum when you're attacking the ball and you and if you if you get your head on the ball at that point, it's definitely gonna go in. But um disappointing to concede the goal in the air, I'd say. If it was a, a well worked goal or you know, a good shot, I think you might you might accept it a bit better. But yeah, for me it was just um, mm. not how I expected us to concede if we would concede. Now, Trev, um, thoughts on the on on the goal, and also we touched on Ramsdale. Thoughts on Ramsdale's performance because he kept us in the game. I, I feel I feel for Zinchenko um, because that happens to everybody now and again. They get they get megged. It happens, you know, and um, nothing more than that. And then, of course, it comes in the box, and and we know what happens next. As for Ramsdale, I, I thought you see. If you're going to be a good side, if you're going to be a really, really good side, as has been proven in recent years, you need a really, really good goalkeeper, right? You need the top of the pile. And I thought that Aaron Ramsdale showed yesterday that he was, uh, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the country at the moment, if not in Europe uh, and bigger. He, he, he seems to have grown into this season. And um, his calmness as well. He's not a panicker. He's calm. He celebrates a save, but but apart from that, he's calm, and, and I love to see that. So proud of his performance yesterday. I think that I've spoken about it before about our young players and their experience, right? And, and there's no doubt we're a lot more experienced now than we were a season ago, right? But there's still going to be times when our young manager and our young team not get caught out of it, but maybe just maybe just have that little bit of lack of experience. I said it earlier and I'll say it again, right? You've got to recap on this, right? This is a Liverpool side, right? That beat a, another top four side, 7-0 a couple of weeks ago. They got a cracking home record this season. Yes, we know too well their fans can be really quiet. And they were quiet in that foot, right up until the end of the first half. But the second half, that, I mean, credit to them Liverpool fans. They become Liverpool's 12th man. They really did. They really urged their side on. And that clearly lifted their team, you know, and then maybe we dropped a bit too deep because then we're on the back foot for the rest of the game. But I think it happens to, to every team, you know. I, to sum it all up, I just think that at the end of the day, we've come away with a point. I'm not upset. I would have loved us to win with 2-0 up, but I can see the reason why we, we, we didn't win the game in the end. We didn't win the game because we came up against a really quality Less Liverpool side second half. Let's put it another way, right? Any other team, any other team, apart from maybe Manchester City, playing that second half against Liverpool, right, would have conceded more goals than we did. Right? I'm sure of it, right? You put any other Premier League team out there, you know, apart from Man City, credit where it's due, and I think that Liverpool play that well, they score more than one goal. And that in that second half, and we've got to use that as as a, as a credit to our team and a credit to our players. I'd have loved us to yep. win. We were two 0 up, but we didn't. We got a brilliant goalkeeper. We have got a brilliant football team, and and I'm moving on now, Ferg. I need. I'm moving on. I'm, I can still still in our hands. I'll say it again. Mm. I, I was going to say uh, more or less on on a final note of of the game. Um, you know, finished two two. The stats 
were as follows. We had 41% possession versus 59. And we had nine shots, uh, attempts on goal against their 20 uh, uh, attempts on goal, six and five on target. So pretty even on the on target side of things. But Trevor, simple question. One point gained or two points dropped? Oh, one point gained. Absolutely. One point gained. No doubt. One in three, could have had three. At the end of the day, I look at that game. I look at how it went. Two different halves. One point gained all day long for me. Dan, we drove back uh, from Liverpool this morning and we tried to justify and say, yeah, one point gained. I, 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 I am more adamant about that. You couldn't talk after the game last night. Um, you were that annoyed at first. Um, and, you know, do you feel it was a point gained or two points dropped? Absolutely, two points dropped. And, uh, <laughs> well, Mr. Trev, unfortunately, positivity or not, there are some things I think you can't be positive about. And I think leading 2-0 in any game when you're in a title run-in and you have to just keep winning winning and winning, you have to find a way to win. And it just felt like a massive, massive blow so late on that I felt just throughout the second half, I really felt like we were going to hang on and win that game. And it just came with two or three minutes to go, just felt a bit gutting. You can see the reaction of the, the players as well, how disappointed they were. And look, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic to feel that we've gone to Anfield and now we've come away disappointed at only getting a point. Couldn't have imagined that a few years ago. I think a lot of people are absolutely spot on the beginning of the season that we would have taken this result. But we're not at the beginning of the season now. We are in a title race. We are top of the league and we've got one aim and one aim only and that is to win this title. And if we want to win this title, we have to win games. So that, that's where the disappointment comes from. Not with the team, absolutely proud of that team and, and fantastic, fantastic performances yet again from so many of them. You know, any, anyone that wears that shirt has been fantastic this season. So it isn't disappointing with them. It's disappointing in the situation because I felt like if we won that game, that would have just given us the next level kick on to go into those next two, few games. I think we'll beat West Ham. I think we'll beat Southampton. But imagine going into Man City knowing that even if we lose, they still wouldn't be able to go above us. And at the moment now, it just gives them a sniff. And it doesn't take much in the title race to change momentum. And it can be, you see in the game, a little tackle can change momentum. You see in the title season, one result can change momentum. And it just gives them that little bit of a boost to Man City to say, OK, they're going to keep chasing. Alex? Lyle knows. Lyle knows. <laughs> Lyle knows. He's the lad. I just just chuck that deck with one sentence, though, Dan. And and you're right in what you say, right? It's, we lost two points. We we drew the game when we couldn't could on a first half performance. We should have won. But imagine if we'd have lost it, then it really does change the perspective. We didn't lose. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't lose. We we drew. So yeah, I could see your point and. Well, you can look at it from either side and put well, a good. Yeah, can, that... I, can, I, can I throw that back to you, Trev? Because if we lost, other than other than off the field, in terms of momentum, as I just said, can be a huge thing. But in terms of looking at the league, if we lost that game or drew the game, and got that point, does it make a difference? Because at the moment, 
if City win all their games, they still go ahead of us on goal difference, right? So a point or goal difference, I can't see us clawing the goal difference back. I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference other than confidence going into the, the next few games, right? And a lot of people saying in the in the comments about City will drop points. I don't think they will drop points other than potentially our game. I think the others for them are nailed on. Brighton away and Brentford away are tough for them, but the rest of them, I, I fully expect them to win pretty much all of their games. And I think that we're going to probably have to do somewhere close to that as well. Mm, Alex, a point, a point gained or two dropped. Yeah, there's so many perspectives on this. Um, like, I think when you're, I mean, the boys have spoken about it. When when you're 2-0 up, it's always disappointing. And especially when, you, when we concede in the, in the final, like in the last 10 minutes of the game, it's going to feel like... Um, uh, two points lost and also like when you're top of the league and you have City chasing you down it's always going to be two points lost when you don't win a game but looking back at the game especially watching it back today um, I think it is uh, one point gained because they could have they could have easily um, have, have won it uh, in the second half yesterday Um but yeah, it, it's in our hands and it's in City, City's hands as well. They can they can do the job themselves as well. Um, mm. And I agree with Dan. They do look very good, but we have to remember it's it's the Premier League. Everything can happen, and they've got they've got Champions League. Uh, they've got tough games. They're playing Bayern tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, they'll go deep in the Champions League and they'll go deep in the FA Cup. And hopefully, having uh, focus on three different tournaments will make them drop points eventually but they do look very good and and it's it's difficult seeing them dropping points but mm. oh, I'm clinging on to the hope let's 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 hear what Mikel Arteta told we started the game exceptionally well dominated it took the game where we wanted score the first one continue to play the way we wanted to score the second one and and that was the moment to kill the game and um, and just before half time we give them hope we conceded the goal and and they generated some belief in this special atmosphere and stadium and the second half was a very different story. You need your goalkeeper and you want to win and be in title races, how many times Alisson is doing what he has to do. You have to have that, you have to have those magic moments from, from the keeper. We have some exceptional moments from, from players today as well and to win in grounds like that, you need that. I think that's more or less what we've said, isn't it really? <laughs> in the sense that how important the keeper is, how impressive we were in the first half and, you know, goals changed games and we just weren't good enough in the second half. Some media outlets are reporting that, that Arteta has called his players out, but I think that's just clickbait. Um, we, uh, we, we left there and um, we uh, ended up going uh, on a bit of a, a hunt for a friend of ours, Trev. Yeah. And um, they're watching. <laughs> uh, Sarah and Mark are watching. Sarah, you have my complete sympathy, sweetheart. Mark, you're a bad, bad man. You're a bad, bad man, Mark. We had to march halfway around Liverpool looking for you yesterday, son. Take over now, Fergus. You tell them. So, so we ended up in uh, finding Mark. We, we were in a chip shop at the other side of uh, Anfield. And we get a phone call saying, and all I could make out was Harry's, Harry's. And I didn't know where this was. And I said to the lady, is there a pub around here called Harry's or something like that? She said, what, the King of Harry? King, the K King Harry? He said, yeah. I said, oh, you don't want to be going in there. You lot will get stabbed if you go into that place. And I went, oh, my good God. And this is where our friend is. Now, if you look inside this pub, 
it's um quite red and white it's got it's got lots of um uh lo- lo- lots of um uh liverpool uh sort of stuff on the walls this is what it's like on match day <laughs> So it's not really, it's not really an Arsenal-friendly pub. I don't think it was welcoming many away fans, uh, and yeah, we ended up in there. Um, Fergus, is that why you got the um when I started singing Arsenal songs in there? Well, do you want to watch that bit? What's this? We are very drunk at this point, and I tried to do something for the Highbury squad, which we said we'd do. What's this? Right, we're in a bar somewhere in Liverpool. We are the Arsenal. You can see what sort of trouble he was going to cause. <laughs> uh, he's there with his big tattoos, Arsenal tattoos all over his hand. God, look at me. <laughs> Honestly, you two nearly got me killed yesterday at least three times. <laughs> oh, so you're, you're the one that made me have my second point, Dan, let me tell you, son. <laughs> well, I'm blaming you two for, for yesterday. There was one point, even walking to the, the ground when we were singing, I looked around and I thought, they've gone, I, can't, I couldn't find it. I was on my own and I was like, I've either got to, <laughs> I've either got to shut up and hide or carry on singing. I thought, I'll front it out and carry on singing. Oh dear, it was, we, we wandered down streets um, looking for this place and it was, the, you know, it was like going to the Belfast, like with wall paintings and, and stuff like that. Honestly, we we were, we were definitely in um, strange territory, definitely strange territory. Well, oh, great day. And then Dan, the evening started and we ended up in Matthew Street. Oh, <laughs> we did, we did. That's a good uh, picture, that one. Flag goes everywhere. Flag goes everywhere. We're in a bar in 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 uh, is it McCoolies or something like that? It's called in Liverpool. And this watching, and, watching uh, careful, careful. You weren't, you weren't, Trev you wasn't weren't with, with you, was he? That's all I asked, boys. Thank you, boys. Take note, <laughs> Two pints, and then you went home, right, Trev? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, and they're doing a Santi Cazola song, the real song, but we had to stand on the tables and the chairs and go, oh, Santi Cazola. I left about, I don't know, half 10, 11 o'clock, I think. Black cab driver wanted to charge me 50 quid to get back to the hotel. I told him what I thought of him and I told him I'd get an Uber instead. But um, I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't, wouldn't want you in the cab anyway, Fergus. So that's probably why he said 50 quid. <laughs> yeah, true. Guys, look, we've got, we've got West Ham on Sunday next. But then after that, we got Southampton at home, Man City away, the huge game midweek, uh, Chelsea at home. Uh, we're, they're talking about that could possibly be moved. We don't know. And then um, Newcastle, Brighton, Forest, and the final game of the season, Wolves. What we think, uh, what we thinking then, um, Alex? What we're we thinking. Thinking. thinking I'm, yeah. I'm, t- I'm thinking that they're, they're there for the taking. Um, That's my Irish accent coming out because I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm not teenagers. <laughs> no, I think they're definitely there for the taking. Um, the, la- the last home game, they, they lost 5-1 to Newcastle. Um, so I really expect us going there, uh, going, going there winning. Um, 
nothing else. Dan? The, um, the, the thinking, by the way, Fergus, is more your sort of, you know, Caribbean style that you've got nowadays. You know, we walk around with a stone in the shoe anyway and a <laughs> swagger. And I think that's just uh, your thinking coming out, man. But anyway, um, back to the back to the list then. Can you can you grab that? <laughs> he's gone. Yeah. Oh, he's gone. No, don't do that to our Dan. Hang on a minute. That's better. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, yeah, can you can you put that list up quick? Arnie's called yeah. me out for saying if so. When we win our remaining games, Arnie. Obviously, we will be on at that point. What? 24, so 97 points if we win all of them, right? So when we win all of them, not if. Looking at that Man City running, where do we really expect them to drop points? Because for me, Leicester at home is nailed on. Moving on past our game, because that could realistically go either way. Fulham, I think they'll walk all over. West Ham, I think they'll walk all over. Leicester, um, Leeds look terrible at the minute. Yes, Everton is normally tough for City. That could be a tough one. The away is Everton, Brentford, Brighton, I think are their tough ones. Chelsea, I, I expect them to, to smash Chelsea at, at home. So we're looking at those last sort of three away games on that list as potentially times where they could drop some points. And that, that is a big, big if with Man City. So we are looking at needing to win all of our games and not losing the City, which is absolutely a big, big possibility. And we are fully capable of doing that. But this was why I said I was so disappointed in us dropping those two points because it now just puts a little bit more pressure on us on every game. And that's that's the only thing that that I just feel is, is building a bit of pressure. And um, with a young side, you don't know how that's going to affect them. Trev, we need some positivity. Yeah, I, I, mate, listen, I don't need to look at City. I, I think City will draw at least two of those games because I think they've... They've got a lot else going on, right? They've got a lot else going on. And I think they'll draw at least two of them games. And for me, right, glass half full. West Ham, we win. Southampton, we win. City, we win. Chelsea, we win. Newcastle, we draw. And then we win the rest of the season. So we drop two points the rest of the season. We win the title. That'll do for me. And and I'm not going to change my mind until we lose one of them games. I really think that... City, people are saying City is the key game. But first half, Arsenal from Liverpool yesterday beat Man City. I'm certain of it, right? Second half, Arsenal from yesterday against Liverpool get turned over by Man City. But Man City don't have the crowd that Liverpool do. They'll have a full stadium in the Etihad and it'll be loud, but it will not be like those Liverpool fans. So I think we can really go to City and do something. I think more of a key will be Newcastle away because Newcastle are looking extremely good. Extremely good. Um, they've got the, the best young manager in the country after Arteta and he's got them playing. So Newcastle will be the key for me. What you talking shit for? <laughs> <laughs> See, that just goes to show your negativity, Fergus. Negativity. <laughs> You're no good. Oh. Listen, are the, PGMO, are the PGMOL going to have to issue an apology to Arsenal at the end of the season for getting to draw the lines on? Could be crucial. Well, I've got that down, right? I've got it written down. We must mention it. We shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to mention it, right? 
But we do. We, we, we do because at the end of this season, there could be some massive miss-outs, losses and gains, not because of the quality of football that a team plays. Just that pause will that be because pause that, pause that because for a second. You what? Pause that thought. Pause that thought for a second, because this is what VAR means. Well, the point of VAR is to, to to stop those situations that I used to face when I made a decision on here, got into the dressing room, looked at my phone, and thought, "Oh my goodness, how have I missed that?" That shouldn't happen now. Uh, the VAR's there as that safety net, but. What I don't want is situations where, you know, there's some situations that could split opinion 60-40, not only in the public, for you guys, for the players, the coaches, also for the officials. And one VAR in one week will recommend a review, and in the same week, a different one won't. I think that would create a situation where people lose faith in what it's for. What are you talking foolishness for? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's typical of referees not being honest with us. It's not... They're not talking, it's not, we're not talking about 60 40 decisions they're getting wrong, right? We're not talking about them. We are talking about a hundred percent decisions they're getting wrong, clear cut decisions, and they're not getting them wrong because they, they're seeing something on the screen, they're getting it wrong because they, they're not using the equipment properly. The Arsenal one against Brentford was because they didn't use the equipment properly. They've had to apologize to Brighton for three games now, you know. And I'm not just saying it as an Arsenal fan, I'm saying it as a football fan, right? Brighton could finish fifth this season by one point and it won't be because they've played the football that deserved them to finish fifth. Arsenal could lose the title by one point and it won't be because we didn't play good enough to win the title. It'll be because people can't do their jobs properly. And the only, the only, the only thing I can put on it, and you always word it lovely, Fergus, you always word it right, is that I can't see that people that are paid the money they are, that are as experienced they are, can be so incompetent. I, I, I think there must be some other influence into what goes v on. VAR gives you the opportunity to compromise the game. That's what I've always I love said. That. I love that, Fergus. Nailed it, mate. Nailed it. Mm. Dan, we talked about this in the car. Yeah, I just I hope it doesn't come down to that because that would be that would be even more gutting. But um, I will try and end on a more positive note because I'm I'm not as I'm downbeat because it's shortly after the game and and I was disappointed after the game. But the situation is still that as they say it's in our hands and we are still six points clear playing the game more. And I do expect us to go and beat West Ham and Southampton and go into that Man City game with a minimum of a nine-point lead. Yes, you can say City will have two games in hand, but scoreboard pressure, it builds. You know, we've just said about pressure building, and I've talked about pressure building on our team. Pressure would also be building on Man City if, not if, when we go into that game with a nice, a nice big barrier. And then it's then down to City. City have to go and win their games. And, and as we said, if with Champions League and things in the middle of it, they may have to make a decision as to if they want to prioritise one or the other. So I hope that is something that uh, that helps us rather than thinking about those two Brentford points. Agree. That's Yeah, I absolutely, Dan. We've got to put it all to bed. I can't get it out of my head, Fergus. You nail it every time. Opportunity to compromise. We are giving opportunity to compromise. It nails it every time. We can't let them forget that until they do something about it. 
Mm. Alex, final say? No, I, I just have to agree. And and um, and yeah, like Dan, I'm, I'm clinging on to the hope that City will get tired and lose focus of, on the Premier League and hopefully lose some points. And in regards to VAR, I just watched the, the Wrexham game and it was... It was so good to see, like, you just have the referee on, on field and you just stick with that decision. And fair enough, sometimes he'll make the wrong call and that's what happens. But it just gave me a weird feeling watching that Brighton game because that was many, many decisions, key decisions that went against them that game. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. so... I think... I think it was you, oh, the final one on this one, Trevor, I think it was you put it on Twitter uh, after the, the Brentford game that you don't mind a guy on the pitch making a mistake. Well, of course, you, it, it bothers you, but you can accept a guy on the pitch being human and making a mistake. But a guy in a box with loads of screens and loads of other people to double-check it, making a mistake we don't accept. Absolutely, uh, that's- Absolutely man. I'm sorry to cut you off. We, we, you can't stress it enough. I've been watching football too long, right? And I've been calling referees' names for too long. I've called them this, I've called them that, I've called them useless, I've called them cheats. But in the back of my head, I know that they're human beings and they give what they see, right? Right? With VAR, you can't think that. They shouldn't be getting these things wrong. God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man, realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back.
gets me every time the Zinchenko scream. It just does oh, get me every time. You've got to walk in the future with your bloody warn me, please. <laughs> oh, boys, eh? Look, we're all smiling. We've got nothing oh. to smile about, have we? We're top of the league, but we're still in our own hands, right? And we're going to, we, we, we're right in it. We're still right, right in it, right? And I'll take that all day long. I'll take that all day long. We're the Arsenal boys, the Arsenal. We are still registered at Company's House as the Arsenal. And that is what that was are. interesting, actually. That was interesting. We've got a WhatsApp chat with uh, Andy Kelly and, and um, Mark from uh, Arsenal History. And they, they write the, 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 the couple of books. There's the, the Royal Arsenal, this, this book here. Um, yeah, that's Mark's, uh, Mark and Andy's book. And they also have the, what's the one that you've got, uh, Trev? Oh, the, um, my Bible is this one. It's the, the, the complete record of the Arsenal. It's, it's about two or three years behind now. It was published two or three seasons ago, so it hasn't got the very latest in it. But it's, it's just chock-a-block full of statistics. Uh, Andy Kelly is an amazing keeper of Arsenal records and has an amazing knowledge, along with Mark, of the Arsenal Football Club. I often have to ask them questions. One the other day, and I wasn't quite sure the answer. And we have a little group, Mark and Andy and myself and Fergus, and I asked the question, and within 30 seconds, it was answered. You know, it was answered. They are such knowledgeable, knowledgeable chaps. Yeah, I, buy the books. If you if you want to know about the Arsenal history, look, buy the books. And look on the website, the Arsenal history. Great website. Just put it in Google, the Arsenal history. But you'll be in it for hours. You'll be in it for hours. Okay. Eh? Uh, a question in the chat from Lyndon. Uh, have we heard any more about the Chelsea game being moved? Um, all I all I know is a source that, who, who gives me a lot of information about um, uh, fixtures said that the game will be moved to Tuesday, the 2nd of May. It'll be an 8 o'clock kickoff, but nothing has been announced. Um, uh, nothing has been announced officially by the, the, the club. It's less than three weeks away. <sighs> I don't know. My phone has just been banging and buzzing with people asking, yeah. "Can I change flights from Australia, America, Africa?" Yeah. I, I, that's not my call. I'm afraid you, you you're going to have to take that yourself. But it is yeah. very poor form for them to do this with such short notice, and especially when the game was already moved for TV to the five thirty uh, kickoff. You're a yeah. you're a bad man. You are, Fergus. You trying to hold all them tickets from that Chelsea game? Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, Fergus? I would be very surprised though if if it was Arsenal Football Club. It uh, for me, it's more. It will be more to do with the TV making up their mind what they're doing, or authorities outside the Arsenal Football Club. But you, you've hit the nail on the head, mate. And the Ars Arsenal do it really well. Arsenal praise and encourage and communicate really well with our overseas fans both closely and further away overseas fans. They've got their banners all over the stadiums. The new stadium wrap has got all their, all, all the overseas supporters clubs on it. And they're all, towards the end of this season, they're all booking flights and all booking tickets. So we really should somehow get them, get them the knowledge, shouldn't we? Not us, the football world, whoever is in the power that be, should sort of say, right, forget about teleschedules. Forget about this. Forget about that. We're going to make a decision and give these people some notice because they deserved it. What's up?
again to you Trev right listen uh, we've overshot again by about 15 minutes it seems to be the average overshoot that we do um, we actually covered the game quite well I think in the hour and then we just went on to the usual Guna debate and the, 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 the stuff Alex thank you very much for all the effort and the work that you put in to uh, help me uh, for this podcast with such short notice yeah cheers uh, Alex duty- no you're problem. I know as well I know you, you had he- heavy heavy hits uh, today so no problem uh, and uh, Dan, uh, input and dictation as we're driving down the M1, <laughs> saying, oh, I'll stick this in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of manager at that point. That was more sort of ears and eyes closed, but just squinting at a screen trying to make out <laughs> the way home. I don't, I don't know if anyone lives near Arneyford, but if we win the league, they don't want to be going that near his house. Look off. <laughs> <laughs> He's in, he's in Iceland. He's got loads of space, loads yeah. of space. Uh, guys, if you like what we do, hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, we are transmitting this on, on the guys' Twitter uh, feeds as well. So go across to YouTube uh, and subscribe to us. We'd like to get to 1,000 subscribers because um, it just helps us do a few bits and pieces. But we do this for fun. Uh, we're not here to make uh, ourselves famous or anything like that. Um, it's just by Arsenal fans, for Arsenal fans. I'll hopefully have a voice uh, next week. No, I won't. I'm going to West Ham, so I'm, I'm going to have no voice, am I? I'm, I'm going to be the same again. Some positives, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.